The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield of the Iowa Power farming show taking place uh, through tomorrow in Des Moines, Iowa. We look at what's happening markets today is with Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors out of Florida. Looking at the markets, you brought up an interesting point. I mean, we saw some higher grain numbers today, but before we started the program, you were talking, Sean, about the Federal Reserve today, the dollar, and how we could see some changes moving in. Yeah, I mean, the Federal Reserve, you know, they always make statements extremely carefully, and they have been on this mantra over the last several months of increases in interest rates, tightening balance sheet, uh, you know, on autopilot. And they came out today and made a major pullback on that policy. They came out and said they're on hold with interest rate increases. The balance sheet reductions are going to be on hold. They're basically saying right now they're uh, you know, not going to be uh, doing any more until they get more comfortable with some of the volatility we've seen with the stock market and some of the poor economic numbers we've seen, the trade war that we've been under. And that's a huge change, and the dollar's really taking a hit today and breaking technical chart support. And, you know, one of the things that we know from history is that when the dollar is in a strong trend, it's very, very tough to battle that headwind. And when it's in a downtrend, it provides a great bullish tailwind that can, you know, not only help prices out, but also help improve U.S. exports. And so we think this could be a very, very important development and set off kind of a U.S dollar-driven, tailwind, bullish fundamental that we haven't had in well over a year to possibly two years. So that's something that um, could be a, a fresh new uh, driver and it's positive. So I, we would really try to focus on what might be happening here. This could be a big change for 2019. So as you talk about this and a producer is listening to it, what does this mean to them? What does it mean to their bottom line? Well, when the weak dollar goes weaker, it makes our prices more competitive in the global scene. It allows uh, other countries to justify buying our corn, our soybeans, our wheat, versus buying it from somebody else. And, of course, on the margin, that means that you, you get an increase in the cash basis, and that helps the farmer, and obviously it brings speculators into the market who also know the correlation between the U.S. dollar and at prices, which gives the farmer a higher price than they would see if the dollar were stronger. So this is all positive news. And if we can get a trade deal done or get some more positive news on trade, I mean, boy, you know, this can really be a shot in the arm that, that, uh, that the farmer desperately needs right now to start, you know, looking out ahead and saying, can I, can I make this work this year, you know? Talk about waiting with uh, bated breath, especially with the negotiations underway again with China, wondering what we're going to see in this report and if it's going to have any effect on the trade. Well, they are, you know, they are talking today and tomorrow. Um, uh, we would expect and hope that we would get some more positive news. We don't think we're going to get a lot of detail necessarily. We might see some additional comments about other, uh, where we saw, you know, larger details about what might be coming. But, but we just do think it's going to be positive. We still think that we're going to leave this two-day meeting with the idea that we're on track, we're making headway, and we're, we're, we're moving towards some kind of a resolution. And, and, and take some of the pressure off that's been on this uh, trade deal and, and U.S. prices for some time. So we're, we remain optimistic that this is moving in the right direction and that uh, 
we will get some positive news from this today meeting. You know, folks tuned in yesterday to the Fontenelle final bell, and they heard Sue Martin talking about 1972-1973, its correlation to today. You heard some interesting kind of side uh, discussions on it, and you as well are talking about that era, the grain robbery with Russia, and comparing it to what's happening in, you know, in 2019. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we wrote extensively about it in our last report um, to our uh, customers, and when we look at 1972, we had a five or six year bear market in grains, oversupply, a strong dollar, no hope, no future, it's all over. Um, we had an embargo with Russia, everything was, everything was stacked against the, the U.S. ag producer from having anything good happen, and then all of a sudden, the dollar started to top out, we, took, we, we, we got off the gold standard, which made the dollar weaken even further, and then we learned that the that Russia, in one clean swoop, decided to buy up to 30% of our corn and wheat um, overnight. And that set off one of the greatest acceleration of upward price trajectory in the history of the grain markets. Um, and no one saw it coming, and it, it led into a very, very prosperous, you know, 10 to 15 years going forward uh, that set off, you know, a wild inflationary trade in, in, in ag. And we see very similar um, conditions existing today, five to six year bear market, no hope, no future, trade war with China, dollar starting to weaken. I mean, everything is, is eerily similar to what happened back then. And if, and if you think out loud, if the Chinese are, are going to reduce the trade deficit with the United States, if they claim they are going to and want to, the only way that can happen is they have to buy not a little bit of our grain, but a lot of our grain. There's no way to reduce that deficit and make President Trump look smart about cutting a deal unless he can show a year from now, look how much the trade deficit with China went down. And that means they have to buy a heck of a lot of corn, soybeans, and wheat. And so we think there's a good prospect that we could get surprised, not only that there's a deal, but that the deal overwhelms anyone's, um, anyone's uh, expectations. And they buy a lot of, not, not just the grains, but buy a lot of our cattle, a lot of our beef, a lot of our pork. We're pretty, we're pretty, um, uh, we're pretty optimistic that something like that is is far more possible than many may think, and that we have the various ways that we think we, think we can measure whether that is going to happen between now and then by looking at some some unique indicators we think could be telltale signs. That definitely makes for some nervousness right now. Well, it does. I mean, if you're a buyer and you've been accustomed to buying whatever you need whenever you want it, hand to mouth. You know, and, and, you're, and, and, and if you think that that possibility is remotely possible. We have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Sean Hackett joins us, Hackett Financial Advisors. We always like to talk dairy with you, Sean, when you join us on the Fontenelle Final Bell. And kind of an interesting differential as we talk about uh, milk prices and what we're seeing in the powder versus cheese and what this is all going to mean for our dairy producers. Yeah, I mean, we, we have been basically very bullish the milk powder market at the tail end of last year, suggesting that we would see a big significant increase in the milk powder price, which would increase the class four price, which is based upon milk powder price. That has been happening as, you know, very significantly. And we've seen the class four price change dramatically against the class three price, which is cheese based. 
but when you look at the historical relationship between those two, we are now reaching the typical limit to how far stretched those two markets can get. And we're starting to hear from a lot of our contacts milk that was supposed to go towards making cheese now being diverted to making more butter and milk powder. And this is exactly what happens when you get a milk powder driven bull market in dairy is it leads with the class four and then it brings the cheese in class three along with it in a delayed fashion. And so while we still need to eat through some of that cheese supply that we have, and it may still take you know, into the end of the first quarter to do it, we're very optimistic that we're going to see a better pricing environment for class three cheese in the second quarter and for all dairy prices as we move into the back half of the year. And like we talked about in the first segment, if this U.S. dollar rolling over is for real as we think that it probably is, it would be hugely beneficial to dairy exports which would, is desperately needed to try to move some of this excess cheese that we've been kind of being strangled with for the last several months. So some good news coming away for the consumer that hears you talking about that, who maybe doesn't understand how the ins and outs of this dairy will work. What does that mean for them when they arrive at the grocery store? Well, I mean, if, if prices go up as much as we suspect, I mean, they're going to see higher prices at the, uh, you know, at the, food, at the food store, without question. I mean, you know, it, it's just the way it's going to be. There's no way that we're going to have prices go up 20, 30, 40 percent and not see some impact, um, you know, at the food store. But, but I don't think it's going to be a lot in the beginning. I think it might take some time before that gains traction. So we probably still have some time before the sticker shock um, it, it, it has an impact, which might be later on in the year. All right, let's look at the rest of the livestock side of it. It is definitely cold here in the upper Midwest, and it continues to be a focus. Uh, impact we've seen on, on beef production and any sort of movement of cattle as you look at this market? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we have the kind of cold weather we have, it, 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 you know, it provides a weather premium for uh, the, the cattle market, and it's certainly done that. We are, it's going to warm up next week for a little while. Um, our forecast is still that it's going to be pretty cold for well into the spring. But for, for now, we, we might see a little weakness next week um, on some of that weather premium being taken out, but we don't think uh, that will be more than a transient correction. We still feel very positive about cattle. Uh, prices going higher um, well into the first quarter before we might see a more formidable top. So we, we think any weakness next week, should it occur, would be a buying opportunity for any end user that needs to take care of short-term supply. Well, the hogs have had some firm gains early on in today's market, but it started to see some erosion. What are you seeing in this market to cause a bit of a drop? Well, we've been bearish the hog market for several months. We've worried that the speculators pumped up the hog market thinking this demand was going to come in for U.S. pork because of African swine fever in China, uh, but we felt that they got ahead of themselves, meaning that, that, that they mistimed it. And when we saw the futures gain dramatically against the cash, we got really concerned that, that we were going to have to we were have supply that we weren't going to know what to do with them. So now we've had a big break. We do feel now, though, that most of the corrections behind us, if we look at the April contract, we think 60 cents is probably our, our, our worst-case scenario here, um, and we're probably getting pretty close to causing in some kind of a low where the market can start to work higher, especially if we're getting the good trade news out of it. And we do think demand for pork is going to come in from African swine fever probably in the second quarter, and so we think the market's priced in most of the bearish mismatch of supply and demand right now, and, and, and so we think, we think we're near a low. Well, Sean, there's been a lot of questioning out there, too, as to what we're seeing in those true numbers coming out of China. Well, you never really know. You know, we always say China is this black box. Everything's a trade secret. Everything is, uh, 
hush, hush, wink, wink. But what we do know is we, we know that they, they have no interest in over-reporting African swine fever. We would think they have every interest in under-reporting it because obviously it's such an important food item for their consumers. And so, if anything, we think that the problem is much, much worse than they're being, than we're led to believe. And as such, we don't feel that the hog market decline here is a permanent fixture. We just think it was a short-term mismatch, but that this market has some very substantial bullish potential, you know, later on in the year. And so we would, we would be optimistic that, uh, hog producers, if you're patient, will get better selling opportunities once we carve out the load here over the next week or two. All right, sounds good. As you look at these markets heading into the rest of the week, what's the best way for producers to get a hold of you and find out more information? Uh, the best way is our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have sample reports, description of our services um, to see if what we're offering might be of value to them. All right, thanks so much, Sean Hackett, joining us today. It is a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.